Father Bryce, uh, you know, we both like to read books. Uh, We've talked about some of our favorite, you know, authors and Mm -hmm. pieces of literature. Um, And so I've been really enjoying this series of stories, short stories, because I like short stories. I like short stories as a genre for multiple reasons. Um, I don't think I have to justify it, but uh, (laughs) there is a part of me that likes, you know, being able to kind of start a story and finish it in one sitting. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't always finish them in one sitting. Sometimes short stories can be pushed to being a little bit more of a novella, yes. um, which is a short novel. But, you know, usually usually get through them in one sitting, like to read mm-hmm. them at night. Um, and so I've been enjoying the short stories. There's uh, three volumes out now by a, a priest of the OCA, uh, Father okay. Stephen Siniari, I think is how you say his name, served in the Albanian diocese within the OCA, mm-hmm. and but also did a lot of work in the cities. Uh, oh, cool. you know, inner city work with, with troubled youth and things like that. Mm. And so, um, you know, obviously someone who's going to do a lot of that kind of work, they're going to have a lot of stories. Um, yes. yeah. And, absolutely. but, but they're fiction, uh, maybe based on okay. his life experiences, but really enjoying those. Um, nice. some of them I will say are very challenging. Uh, some <laughs> of them, and, and maybe that's a good thing because yeah. it's a story I've read and it hit me in the gut. Yeah. And I said, Oh, man, I, I feel that one, or maybe it's something that I've experienced or been, been guilty of in my own life. Mm. Um, some of them are dealing with some really difficult co- topics though. Not sure. ones I would say I was guilty of at all. I want to be clear about that, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you know, just stories that move you closer to God in some way, mm. I think are a good thing. And so, yes, absolutely. You know, so I've just been really enjoying that. And I think that fiction, good fiction can be a vehicle to move people deeper into their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I, th- I would say that his short stories have a lot in common in some ways with the short stories of Flannery O'Connor. Okay, uh, sure. Kind of what her stories were doing in the yep. South as a faithful Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his stories, they're kind of set in the uh, Philadelphia area. Uh, and I think they're doing something very similar within uh, Orthodox kind of culture and world, uh, mm-hmm. but within the greater uh, kind of the greater area of his work in that in those in those cities. So okay, cool. Yeah, and of course, you know, just to keep on the very cheesy bad segues <laughs> of references to coffee, um, yes. it's always nice to have a cup of coffee in the morning when it I'm reading is. these uh, short stories after I do. Uh, the usual morning routine of the of the morning prayers and the scripture readings and whatnot for the day. So, perfect. And what better thing to follow up that cup of coffee and your nice short story with than maybe listening to the Church Coffee Pod, where the theology is never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing. I'm mm-hmm. Father Bryce. I'm Father Gregory. Someday maybe we'll figure out how real podcasters manage to do transitions that feel natural and yeah and 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 like oh that was clever rather than like the eye roll very dad joke material of (laughs) of like just ambiguously connecting something to coffee since it's in the title of our podcast i'm i'm hopelessly bound to dad jokes i'm sorry (laughs) it is it is like a form of even though we don't believe in purgatory, it's kind of a form of that for people, I think, unfortunately. To, to know yourself is a greater miracle than to raise the dead. So, you know, at least at least you know yourself. I am I am full of very bad dad jokes constantly. Um, so, <laughs> yes. 
so this uh, month, we're going to just talk about something a little different. Yeah. Uh, but also that's very relevant to the spiritual life of people. And, yes. And we're going to kind of look at the flip sides maybe of the same coin. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. that are the topics of scrupulosity. That's not a word we often hear a lot of in the Orthodox mm-hmm. Church. You might right. hear that more, especially in the Catholic tradition or other churches. Mm-hmm. But certainly very prevalent for us. It is a reality. Yes. And then, uh, and then also it's kind of flip side maybe of presumption. Sure. Um, and so to start off uh, the conversation, how would you, how would you define scrupulosity or what's another word you might use for that? Yeah. I mean, I think scrupulosity is this struggle that we might have. I think I've, I've encountered it maybe in, increasing numbers in, in the younger generation, this problem that we might have of having already confessed a sin and still feeling like it hasn't been taken care of. I think that's that's kind of the most obvious, maybe blatant, egregious example of if you're struggling with scrupulosity. There are other kind of more minor ways, but if you've taken a sin to confession, you know, at the end of the service, the priest says, as for these sins you've confessed, have no further anxiety about them go in peace, right? They're forgiven. We, they're gone. They're done. But it can be a, a real struggle for, for many people still feeling like that's unresolved, like they're, they haven't been forgiven. Now there are maybe lesser degrees to which we might experience scrupulosity. Um, kind of sometimes people, I don't think we see this a whole lot in orthodoxy, at least not in, in most of the GOA parishes, people feeling like they have to go to confession for every little thing they go you know confession every week or maybe even some people feel compelled they have to go multiple times a week or they're you know kind of calling the priest in the middle of the night because they feel like that they just can't go to the next day bearing the guilt of the sin i guess there are kind of different different ways in which this this struggle manifests itself yeah i think i think that's right i think there's a lot of different ways scrupulosity might manifest itself it seems like too certain personalities might be more prone, yeah. Uh, or personality types might be more prone to scrupulosity. People who are could be just very high on the conscientious scale, yes. Uh, right. Or, or if very, you're into people pleasing, it's probably going to be a, a struggle. Or you know what some people might call neurotic, I guess, like a kind of a more neurotic personality. Right. Um, yeah. I, that that word seems to have more of a negative connotation for people these days, but it's just using it as a descriptor. Right. Um, and so, yeah, certain personalities are much more prone, I think, to the sin of scrupulosity or just the problem or the passion of scrupulosity. I think yeah. it can show up, too. It can show up in different ways in the Orthodox world, like with with some of the rules. Sure, you know? like fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how would scrupulosity show up in fasting? Oh, feeling like it's it's kind of, in, in this case, with the rules or, or kind of, you know, rules is maybe even a bit too strong of a word to use to talk about fasting, right? We use that word, but it, it's these are the, you know, to quote really bad pirate movies from the early 2000s, these are more of guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. And they're there for our benefit. It's it's kind of like saying that, you know, well, I, I try to exercise five days and that's a that's a rule that you should exercise five d- days a week. That's mm-hmm. It's a guideline. It, it's there for our health. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think scrupulosity, when it kind of is manifested around this idea of, of fasting or maybe even keeping one's prayer rule yeah. is... is feeling this kind of like crushing guilt if I don't kind of fulfill the exact letter of the law uh, because if I don't fill the exact letter of the law, I'm going to get it, you know, whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. Usually I think there's there's a lot of fear and anxiety uh, mm-hmm. in scrupulosity 
and I, like I said I, earlier, I think I, I see this especially in in people kind of from maybe my the the younger side of the millennial gener- generation and and kind of the the Gen Z crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a sure. You know, I'm not a anthropologist or a sociologist. But it does seem that as kind of cancel culture has has become has moved out of being its kind of niche evangelical church kind of situation into this widespread phenomenon uh it's it's scary right like it doesn't look like forgiveness is a possible look at the world um, that's that's interesting so there's a connection there maybe with anxiety and yeah. with a um kind of a hyper judgmentalism mm-hmm. or and then or just a fear of not being forgiven which is also i guess kind of like a fear of not being good enough yeah, a fear of not passing the bar, a fear of not meeting the standard, whatever that standard may be, whether it's realistic right. or not. Right, right. Uh, that people are set for themselves. And w- what do you think can make people? I mean, we talked a little bit about like certain certain personality types might be more prone to it, but what do you think contributes to scrupulosity, like people developing scrupulosity, or besides the broader culture of of kind of judgment and you know you've got one shot you make one mistake and you're done Mm -hmm. uh there is some language within our own tradition that might have made more sense uh when it was written or it might have made more sense in the context in which it was written and for whom it was written or even it's just we have these words that it was translated into however many years ago, and those words might not even mean the same thing. The English words that were used when the translation was made might not even mean the same thing as it used to. I also think the American culture is is one of uh, like almost a perfectionism. I think that kind of tends to be hmm. a general thing that people struggle with is a perfectionism. Parts of it, for sure, because I mean, we're going to look at the flip side of this coin sure. <laughs> here in a minute. Sure. So, so sure. yeah, I, I, I think even within, I mean, so bringing it back within the uh, the world of the church. Yeah. I think sometimes when there's a lack of seeking um, spiritual direction. Yes. Yeah. I think can, can foster uh, scrupulosity because if people are trying to just read and discern on their own. Yes. Or determine for themselves what their prayer life is should their prayer rules should be or mm. how to fast or to yep. do different things uh, without speak, seeking any kind of direction. I think this can lead people to scrupulosity because there's a variety of things you can read and hear out there. Right. And it's all accessible to everyone mm-hmm. at any time, right? Anybody now can go down and buy a copy of the Philokalia, right? I mean, it's, but yeah. that is not a book that one should just pick up and start reading because... Mm-hmm. It, well, it's got a lot of advice for probably not you. <laughs> well, what's interesting about that too is I saw an article, just a little tangent on the Philokalia, and uh, I think uh, Father Maximus uh, Constance may yeah. have written the article, and he was talking about how it was never meant to be read just in chronological order as yeah. published. Right. As in volume one, first father through volume five, last father. Right. Uh, that uh, St. Nicodemus of the Holy Mountain, I think he says in that article, if I'm mistaking that, I'm sorry. There was a certain order, a different kind of order to read it, who should be read first and the direction it should take. And this reminds me of a story, too, of a brother seminarian where he 
would read a lot the letter of divine ascent and he was sharing the story with me so I'd, i hope he doesn't mind me i'm not gonna say who it was but right and uh he was talking with his spiritual father and his spiritual father was like why are you reading that and he's like well it's mm-hmm. lent you know we're supposed to read it every lent and he goes yeah but why are you reading it and he's like well you know it's it's <laughs> spiritually one of the best spiritual mantles da, da 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 whatever and he said okay well i'll tell you what you can read the first step and then come talk to me so he read the first step and he went back to talk with him and he goes, okay, can you do that? And he's like, well, no. And he goes, okay, well then stop reading it. Like you can't, <laughs> until you can do step one, you don't, you don't get to read the rest of it. Uh, uh yeah. and, but that was how his spiritual father handled that issue with him. I'm not saying that would apply necessarily the same to everyone. No, but the but general I, principle. I do think of, there's some wisdom, there's yeah. some wisdom there, but I think, you know, these things we're not supposed to just kind of, you know, I, it's kind of related, right? Like the, uh, challenge of you know, someone trying to diagnose themselves using WebMD yeah, uh, yeah. or something like that. There's a, there's a reason, hopefully we have a good primary care physician that we go to see, yeah, uh, or, you know, we go see a doctor when we're having a health issue and not try to diagnose ourselves using the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that can be really problematic. Yeah. It's, I think that's a great analogy. Even like you mentioned earlier, kind of assigning our own prayer rule or assigning mm-hmm. our own fasting rule. Mm-hmm. is essentially the same as, you know, well, I read on WebMD that this is a good thing for people to do, you know, who are in whatever situation they may be in and you diagnose yourself as dealing with this. So you assign yourself this medicine and, and it, it's, and then you, and then you can't do it. You can't, you know, you don't have uh, the strength to do it. And then you feel guilty because you didn't do it. And that's, and voila, scrupulosity. <laughs> Well, and I, yeah, I think that there's, there, I think I may be stumbling into a connection here, right? Because someone who is trying to take this approach, they're trying to look up, you know, what's going on with them physically through the internet, that can produce a ton of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, because why? Well, partly just so much information out there. Yeah. And how do you sift through it all? Well, you don't have an MD to start and you're not a practicing licensed physician and you probably may not fully understand even all you're reading you certainly don't know all of it uh so there's a lot of cause for anxiety there because how do you even begin to work through what you're looking at or even know what you're looking at and i think this can be applied to many fields Mm -hmm. when we have information at our fingertips and we can't there's sometimes there's not a good way to know what's what's true what's not true what's accurate what's not accurate what's applicable Mm -hmm to you and what may not be applicable to you. Mm-hmm. The same thing can be true with texts, church fathers, things like that within the church where there's so much available, so much of it is online, so many different voices um, online. And it's interesting how that works out, that temptation works out. You know, the one person people may be not thinking of talking to is the one person they should be talking to <laughs> right. and they're spinning their wheels to kind of doing all these other things. And again, I, like you said, it can lead to scrupulosity and it can really be a big burden uh, for people. And then it becomes very kind of self-punishing in a way. Yeah, I I just, as you were describing that, right, I just think of the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot that Philip meets, who's Mm -hmm. reading Isaiah. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he, you know, he basically says, how could I, how could I understand this without a guide? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and of course the Lord sent Philip there to be his guide. Why wouldn't that apply to this body of literature that is now, you know, magnitudes larger than the Holy Scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we think that you need a guide to understand the Holy Scriptures, of course you need a guide 
in in getting through just the huge body of work that is is written by the various church fathers and and the desert fathers and the desert mothers and and all of these spiritual writers of course we need a guide and that's yeah. always been that's always been the path of orthodoxy it's one of con, you know continued discipleship right it's it's um you know you have that interpersonal aspect of yeah. being in someone's presence being in community Mm-hmm. And these things are experienced community. And so as the online world has exploded and there's tons of opportunities for online interaction, online groups, whatever, it's mm-hmm. important to remember that we live out our faith in community. Um, and that applies especially to a community, a hopefully if people have access to it, a local parish that they're a part of, that they're praying with, um, that they're worshiping at, and that they're receiving spiritual direction in um, from the priest of the local community. Uh, yeah. to guide to guide them uh, in the spiritual life on these things. And that can be uh, a nice guardrail to help prevent scrupulosity and the yeah. anxiety that comes from it uh, yeah. building up. It, it reminds me of the verse of from Colossians where Paul is quoting something, do not taste, do not handle, do not touch. Uh, and he's, he's kind of saying, you know, these are regulations that people were receiving either from outside sources or taking upon mm. themselves that were not helpful or beneficial and, and they were kind of losing their way. And that can happen a lot. We need reminders sometimes that, you know, the, uh, again, kind of the guidelines for the fast as you, the word you use there, um, we forget sometimes we can get so focused on those guidelines that we forget that there's a reason we're fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays yeah. and what that's about. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like, you just, you do and don't do these things on these particular days. Right. And, right. you know, and we can somehow, even though people may not think this, bind up their idea of salvation with how well they perform. Yep. These things. Yeah. And so, I, I think we're going to talk about presumption and I think it's pretty obvious the way in which presumption might be connected to pride. Mm. Um, but I also think that scrupulosity is, is often in a sneakier way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also connected to pride. It could be. You know? It definitely uh, could be. N- not I, always. Not every instance right. of it. But I, I think, right. you know, we we take on these these things of our own volition, and and we might even we might even take something on ourselves that, you know, you talked about the importance of community here that is not practiced in our local community. Right. Right. Forgetting that when in Rome, do as the Romans do is mm-hmm. a Christian principle. Right. Taught by St. Ambrose to Augustine's yeah. mother, Monica, I think when she was like, hey, they do this in Rome. We don't do this here in Milan. Right. And he gave her the famous response, when in Rome, do as the Romans. And that's humility, too. I yes. think people should remember that when they try to do something very different and particularly like in liturgy, let's just use that as an yeah, example. Exactly, exactly. If that community kneels on Sunday or during the weekdays at the consecration, then you should do that. Even if your home parish doesn't have that practice. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that is important for you and for your soul to practice that level of humility. And as opposed to, because you can make yourself susceptible to the spirit of pride to say, oh, I know better. Right. Uh, than all these poor guys and gals who yeah. apparently don't. So then you're judging them <laughs> and putting yourself above them and you can get filled with the spirit of pride. And you're, you're putting so much emphasis on these really kind of external and, mm-hmm. and, and incidental aspects of the faith. Mm-hmm. And, and if you put all of this emphasis on these external and incidental aspects of the faith, and then of course 
you're going to be tripping up in other, ex- you yeah. know, maybe you're like, well, I always kneel. I always do exactly the right quote, you know, air scare quotes around right thing during liturgy is, and, and my whole community, you know, kneels at the wrong time, but I'm not going to, or, you know, my community doesn't wear headscarves, but I'm going to, or, or vice versa or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Right. Well, then you just set up this idea that these incidental and kind of, uh, you know, external aspects of of local community worship, which are important in that local community, you make them, you know, much more central to the heart of the faith. So when you are inevitably dealing with those other sets of those issues, then it then it feels to you like such a big deal Mm -hmm. rather than what it is like, yeah, Yeah. you know, maybe you could maybe that's important maybe not but you, you know if you're just deciding this for yourself then and we're and we're certainly not talking about essentials of faith here no um, well that's what i'm saying yeah. yeah not at all so um i think too there might be an element of so not to go on this too much more but an element of control maybe mm. with it you mm-hmm. know if if i just do all the right things i can assert control and maybe even control over god in a sense yeah. or yeah. trying to yeah. turn him into like a, a black box of sorts where I, right. I run i run the right pious program and i should get the right output for i'm gonna fulfill that. my end of the bargain and then god has to fulfill god's end of the bargain and not that anyone says this so uh no blatantly you know in one way or another but th- there might be an element of control kind of lurking underneath there of, yeah and, and understanding of relationship Right, um, which I mean, really, kind of takes us back to almost a pagan view of God, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I if I do these things, you know, back in the day, if I offer these sacrifices, then the gods, you know, will give me bountiful crops, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, if we kind of can do the same thing, and Paul saw this too, right? If I fulfill these things, then God will make me a mem- you know, an heir of His eternal kingdom. Uh, and Paul, you know, was constantly dealing with kind of pushing back against this idea. It's interesting you bring up the Apostle Paul. It's interesting what he called idolatry too, um, not necessarily mm. related to this, but, you know, like covetousness hmm. and things like that. He says, which is idolatry, you know? Hmm. Um, so how we can make an idol even of some of these things. Um, yeah. Right, so, an idol of our own religiosity. Yeah, we could. We very well could. Um, losing that emphasis on community and love and being in communion with God. Uh, who is a communion of persons. Yes. So on the flip side, okay, is yeah. presumption. And how I understand presumption, and I'm curious what you think, is kind of presuming on the mercy or grace of God. So it's just kind of like, it, it, I don't know, there's a sense of like making an excuse or kind of the flip side, right? Not caring at all. Oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, extreme example of this was remember one time was like, oh, I don't do any of the things, but you know, God will save me. <laughs> you know, the person like didn't go to church, yeah. didn't fast, didn't pray. Right. Didn't receive the Eucharist. Just right. Maybe showed up at Pascha, you know? Right. So, maybe. so just, just as an example, maybe of presumption there. I think <laughs> this, it's a funny issue because I think there are maybe those who struggle with scrupulosity mm-hmm. who are concerned like, oh no, I committed this sin. I don't, I'm going to keep myself away from communion because mm-hmm. I don't want to be presumptive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can be scrupulous I, about being presumptive. Right, exactly. I, can you but be I really presumptive think, about being scrupulous? I don't know. I uh, I don't think so. But but yeah. I, I really think being presumptive has more, ha, you know, like if you're trying, you're not being presumptive. 
mm-hmm. right? Like if you genuinely desire to live a life striving for unity with Christ, you're not being presumptive. I, I think like you said, right? It's it's just kind of it's a it's just a an idea of like, well, God's gonna be merciful anyway, so I don't need to try. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I would say it even goes beyond some kind of like justification of a particular thing, yeah. right? Yeah. God will be merciful even though I did, you know, I committed sin X. Well, that's, you know, yes, that's... He will, be, he will be merciful, but that it, 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 it involves repentance. Right. But, but there's also, even in that statement, a recognition that that was a sin. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Right. Where I think a true spirit of presumption is just like, well, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like, what's a sin? What's not a sin? Ah, pff, ah who cares? So being presumptive in the spiritual life... You know, an example like you give, like, oh, that's not sinful. Right. You know, it's kind of denying sin as sin. We see a mm-hmm. lot of this today, actually, in sure. in culture and broader culture and society. Just as you were talking about uh, things that could lead to uh, scrupulosity, uh, we see a lot of presumption. Uh, Do we, though? I mean, can can it be truly presumption if, if, the, pers- if the people are outside of the church? I feel like... No, Only I'm somebody who's about, claiming. Nah, you, oh, gonna, you do do mean specifically people who are claiming to be Orthodox Christians, people, or even just people claiming to be Christians. Sure. That, okay. That, you know, want to, but yeah, let's just keep it specific to us, people within the Orthodox Church, who you know, this is not a sin, or um, this is just fine. It doesn't matter. You know, church, yeah. church needs to just get on board with what I think on this particular issue, whatever it may be. Sure. Um, and and we see a lot of that uh, around different topics. Sure. Uh, so we definitely see that kind of uh, presumption. Where do you think that spirit comes from? Like I mentioned earlier, I think I think there's certainly an element of pride in both of these struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I, can you really call presumption a struggle? I don't know, but uh, both in in scrupulosity and in in presumption, we see an element of pride, uh, yeah. an element of setting oneself as the standard, and both kind of deny repentance. Right. Yes. Presumption denies the need for repentance and scrupulosity denies the possibility of repentance. Ooh, interesting. So so it, so one, you know, one being presumptive would say, I don't I don't need to change. You know, mm. I don't need to I don't need, I to, don't need to invest repent. time in in right. striving to, you know, grow closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need to, to, to pray, to, to read the scriptures, to, to partake of the sacraments regularly. Maybe I'll take of them when I want and if I feel like it, which would be its own, you know, kind of instance of presumption and, and scrupulosity kind of says, uh, the opposite, right? Like I need to do this so perfectly because if I don't, there's no way that God will accept me. And if I mess up, then it's just, then I'm just, I'm going to get it. It's going to be you know, curtains for me. So both are kind of a distortion or a perversion of the gospel. Yeah, both both are a misunderstanding or a misusing of grace. Right, because this is so great for the basic idea of the gospel. You know, man man has fallen. He has lost communion with God. Mm-hmm. Um, he becomes subject to death. Uh, God becomes man and our Lord Jesus Christ, reuniting our fallen human nature with his divine nature, sanctifying it, deifying it offering it up upon the cross, defeating sin upon mm-hmm. the cross and defeating death by his third day resurrection and offering us forgiveness of sins and new life uh, mm-hmm. in him. And so uh, both scrupul- scrupulosity potentially denies in some way the possibility of that or that that's accessible to me. 
Yeah. Because I'm just not good enough. Or I don't do it right. well enough. Or, I have to make myself worthy of that somehow. And then presumption is almost a denial of the necessity of that. Mm. So they're, but they're both kind of a denial or a distortion or a, or a misunderstanding at least of, of what the gospel is kind of a changing almost of the, the teaching too of, of what is, what does it mean to be fallen? Uh, what does it mean to, you know, what in the West is called original sin. We call ancestral yeah. sin sometimes mm-hmm. uh, in the East and with and a, pretty different understandings, right? Applying that, applying that, but applying it in a sense to where there is not forgiveness and redemption. Sure. So kind of a denial almost of the cross. It becomes, it becomes, and this, I mean, I think you're kind of talking on the scrupulosity side. It becomes almost a Pelagian. It becomes almost a Pelagian like kind of thing, sin. right? Yeah. I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps mm-hmm. and then I will kind of purify myself mm-hmm. and become worthy uh, of enlightenment, uh, which is, yeah, I mean, it's just, so it's just th- a flat denial of the gospel. Right. And do you think too, there could be an element of kind of like the, the rugged individualism, like the hyper individualism oh, yeah. uh, that we are especially prone to in, in America, yeah, you know, in the United States to both sides of this. Yes. You know, you yes. can't, you can't depend on anyone. You can't rely on anyone. Um, you, you need to do it on your own. Right. And you don't need to. You're, right. Or you, you, you're an island. You're, you're, a, you know, right. whatever. Yeah, you know, you're the you're the master of your own destiny, as right. that show says, <laughs> the maker of your own destiny. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I finally uh, got a reference, and so yes. so okay. So, what can be done about these? I guess it's it's a matter of going back to the gospel in some way. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you know, just recognizing that that God fervently desires communion with us. Mm-hmm. And has done everything to establish that communion with mm-hmm. us. And to make that uh, possible for us yeah. to receive in him. Yeah. And that and that there is no time or place where you can get away from the loving embrace of God. Right. We heard that um, in the hymns from this past or you know, say this past when people hear this will be later, but the, yeah. what was it? Plagal second. Was that the tone for this week? Yes. Yes. Uh, and the Vespers it's quoting Psalm 139, I believe mm-hmm. it's talking about where can I go from you? You know, where can I go from your love? Where can I go from your care? Yeah. Uh, so if I go to the depths of shale, your hand is there and so on and so forth. So yeah, we cannot flee from the mercy of God in that sense. Yeah. And and really, you know, look at the look at the service of, con- of confession. I mm-hmm. think I think that's a great place to start. Even just, you know, I I think you and I use a similar order that's very short. It's just a few prayers. But even those few prayers kind of give you the understanding, right? Mm-hmm. If presumption is the problem, you're probably not listening to this podcast because uh, why would you need to? But uh, if presumption is the problem, right? It might be, might be, <laughs> maybe if you are then, you know, read these prayers. Uh, if presumption's a problem, the prayers kind of have the reminders of our sinfulness and what our sinfulness is mm-hmm. and how our sinfulness is, I mean, is basically just us kind of turning away from from mm-hmm. God and from life in God and life the way God set it up for our human flourishing, uh, and true, our true human flourishing. Yeah, our true joy, our true happiness in that sense is in right. communion and fellowship with God. 
Right. And and if and if we're struggling with scrupulosity, like I mentioned earlier, the prayers are very clear that this is done. You have confessed these sins and they are done. They have no hold on you. There is no more guilt. They are like the Psalms say, they are removed as far as the east is from the west. Mm. Uh and and we are to have no further anxiety about them and go in peace. Mm-hmm. Right, we have been reconciled to God. We have been reconciled to the church, His, you know, His community here on Earth, and it's done. It's just a reminder to us as priests too, like how important it is to be preaching the gospel at all times. <sighs> yes, because yes, it it's is. a message that is so badly needed um, inside and outside of the church at all times. Yes, it is. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation, great discussion. I agree. Um, where can uh, people send us questions or responses? If you have questions, you can email us at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com, or even better, you could leave us a voicemail at 317-660-5498. You can ask us questions about what you've already heard on the podcast. You could suggest new topics for future podcasts, or you could come up with some third thing that i'm not thinking of right now i don't even know we do appreciate you listening to church coffee pod if you've enjoyed what you heard like subscribe and leave a review make sure to tell your friends that church coffee isn't so bad after all peace take care